Hey everyone, it's Cinnamon and I'm back with another episode of Sweet Tea Southern Mama doing autism A to Z. Um, remember when I first started doing this podcast just a few short days ago, um, I remember saying that I would share with you all all of the ups and the downs, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly of um, doing, you know, autism A to Z. Um, What I don't want to do is I don't want to paint a picture that everything is always good because we are receiving services and he is thriving at those services. And um, as I like to say, defying the spectrum. Um, And I don't want to paint the picture that everything is bad because it's not always bad. We do have our challenging days. Um, We do have some rough days and um, that those days may come in the way of just Cortland having a bad day altogether um, where he just, you know, can't seem to get himself self-regulated or regulated to help him deal with being um, in sensory overload or being overwhelmed by any type thing Or, you know, the challenges could come from mommy having a bad day. You know, the one thing that I thought when we started this journey was that mommy wasn't allowed to have bad days and that she would always, that I would always just have to hold my stuff in. And that that's what I have been doing for the longest of times is like, I have really been holding it in no matter the, how strong of of a front or how brave I was in public in front of people or you know, talking to people on the phone or whatever behind closed doors, I was a teetotal mess. Um, And a lot of it stems from just, you know, the negative energy that could be in your life, you know, during that time, during that journey. Now, all energy that is in your life or you know, with you when you're on this type of journey or any type of journey is not necessarily always the best energy. And sometimes that energy is placed in your life for a reason because it ha- because it's there to make you wake up and make you realize that, you know, regardless of what anyone throws your way, you can endure and go through whatever God puts in your path. And that was one of the things that I had to learn. And over the weekend, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who is going through a similar journey that I am on um, with her child. And, you know, she asked me, she reached out to me and she said, you know, we have X, Y, and Z on this day. What questions should I ask when I go in there? Um, and I was kind of not necessarily taken aback by the fact that she wanted me to help her with questions, but, you know, just... Every situation is different. Every child is different. You know, her child situation is not necessarily the same journey that Cortland is on. So I didn't want to give her misinformation or, you know, make her go in and, you know, ask the wrong questions and then come out still not understanding what the development of pediatrician has said to her. So the one thing that um, I started to journal about over a week ago was textbook answers. You know how when you're in school and the teacher tells you, you get your textbooks or whatever, especially when you're in, you know, lower level school, like um, elementary, middle school, high school, your textbooks are free until you get to college. But anyways, when you get your textbooks and um, the teacher, you know, says, read chapter two and answer the questions on the last page. So, but she, you know, lets you know that there's a 
an answer key at the back of the book. But only use that answer key unless you absolutely have to because I want to see you answer the question and I want to see how you worked it without just going and getting the answer, the textbook answer. So when she, when my friend asked me those questions on Saturday, um, it would have been easy to give her textbook answers. But the one thing that I have learned in this journey with Cortland is textbook answers aren't always the best answers. They don't always work in every situation and they may not work in your situation. And that was the one thing that I had to take into consideration when this friend asked me for advice because I could have spewed off anything that I had learned over the past two years in my research or anything that, you know, Cortland's developmental pediatrician had said to me or his therapist or um, his his own, his regular pediatrician, his regular doctor. You know, I could. it's easy for me just to to pour that stuff off the top of my head because I, I listen and I learn and I retain stuff and I I remember it but what I wanted to provide her with was not a textbook answer because as I stated every textbook answer does not fit every situation so you had so I had to step back and I had to take a minute and I had to make sure that I was leading her or giving her the best advice that I possibly could as a mother that is on a similar journey that she's about to take with her child so I just simply told her you know you go in there and you ask them what you 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 go in there and you tell them everything that you've seen in your son over the past year or however long you've been noticing it. And then you ask based on what you've seen, you know, what, you know, what the possibility could be. And when they start the evaluation, you ask them what type of evaluation it is. You ask them to go into detail and let you know what, um, you know, let you know exactly what that evaluation is, um, because you have, as his parent, you have a right to know. Um, so those are basically some of the things that I told her. And I also informed her that once you get whatever, you know, clinical diagnosis you receive at the end of that evaluation, always know that textbook answers are not always the right answers. Now, I'm not saying that the clinical diagnosis is the wrong diagnosis. Don't, I don't want to, you know, make that mistake and have people think that I'm saying like clinical diagnosis are the wrong diagnosis. What I'm saying is if you, once you receive that clinical diagnosis and you set up what I like to call a therapy diet plan, um, that's what we on, uh, you know, people call it a care plan. Um, I call it a diet plan because it's just like on a diet. You do things that when you're on a diet, you do things that work for you to help you lose that weight. And then when you can't, when you figure out that some of those things aren't working for you, you go back and you revamp that plan. You revamp that diet plan to, to, you know, integrate exercises or eating habits that are going to help you reach your goals, that goal weight that you're looking to reach. So that's, I call ours a therapy diet plan. So in saying that textbook answers aren't always the best answers, that's what I'm talking about. Because every time you get an answer to something, it may be that answer for that moment, but it is not always going to be the answer throughout the course or throughout the journey. And just because you're told that your child may need speech therapy, occupational therapy, applied behavioral analysis of their therapy, um, 
physical therapy, you know, early intervention services that so that they stay the course and that they are able to do lead lives that are less challenging. Um, you don't necessarily have to do you you have you you want to do it but there are other ways that you can go about doing it like medication um some some kids that have autism spectrum disorder are on medication and a lot of it is because a lot of those children have other issues like um ADHD um that you know it, they don't focus um some I know some people would rather go the holistic route than put their child on any type of prescribed medication because you know some of us believe that the toxins are dangerous to the child system that comes along with the medicine but then again you know you go with well his doctor prescribed it and so why would she prescribe him something that's not healthy that's not going to be beneficial to him that's going to harm him but again textbook answers are not always the right answers so you have to figure out what's best for you and one of the things that I found that I was dealing with a lot after learning of Cortland's um, clinical diagnosis in October of 2017 was you know people every everyone becomes a doctor everyone has gone to school and they have gone they have done their residency and they you know they're practicing medicine everybody practices medicine once you once you're once you tell them that your child is x y and z and you know and they give you all of this well are you sure well let's you maybe you should have him evaluated again uh, you know well maybe he doesn't need that therapy that's just a waste of you know waste of time and you know all he needs to do is be disciplined and you know um he needs to be so he still needs to be socialized he's not around children enough and the only textbook answer that I am going to go with is that clinical diagnosis that I received from that pediatrician that actually went to school okay went to school and received the degree in medicine the person that can actually practice is what textbook answer i'm going to receive when it comes to a clinical diagnosis i appreciate everyone else's opinions no i take that back i don't appreciate everyone else's opinions i'm gonna be raw and real throughout this entire podcast i don't appreciate your opinions i don't appreciate them because until you walk a day in my shoes and you deal with what i deal with on a daily basis you really can take your opinion and put it in your back pocket because you're not living this life so you can't tell me what my child needs because you're not with him 24 7 so don't tell me that well maybe he shouldn't have this therapy or maybe he should have that therapy or because you don't know you you aren't qualified enough to tell me and yes most may be a parent most may be parents but are you parents are you a parent of a child that has a special health care need or different ability no you are not excuse me you are a parent of a neurotypical child so your child's world is just a little different than my child's world so you can't tell me that my child doesn't need this therapy or my child doesn't need that therapy and you most importantly cannot tell me not to let the world know what's going on with my child let me tell you that's the other thing textbook answers are not always the right answers 
And uh, in the beginning, when I started talking about textbook answers, I was talking about when you receive textbooks in school. But sometimes textbook answers come from cultural answers as well. When you are a part of a certain culture and you there are beliefs, you those become textbook ans- answers too. And what I mean by that is simply this. In our community, I'm African-American, but my child is biracial. He's half white. In our community, we are so afraid, as I said in a, in, in a past episode, that society is going to slap a label on our children that we deny them whatever they need as far as if they have a behavioral issue, if they have, you know, a learning disability, if they have developmental delays, if they have a any other special health care need or any other different ability, we tend to not want to get them what they need because we are so pressed. Let me say that again. We are so pressed about what society is going to think about our children, how they're going to be treated in school. Are they going to be invited to a birthday party? You know, are other kids going to play with them? X, Y, and Z. Now, let me let me explain something to you. While I have worries that my child will maybe one day sit alone at a cafeteria cafeteria table and kids won't include him at some point, while I worry about that, I'm not worried about it because when I look at my child and I see this magnificent individual, this bright and this brilliant little boy, I honestly don't think he would be phased one way or the other if Joel or Nancy sat with him at lunch or played with him in the classroom. While I understand that that may be important in some people's world, it's not necessarily important in our world. Because <clears throat> while excuse me, while we're trying so hard to follow textbook answers and get them you know, into this normal typical world so that they fit in better, so that they're, so their, you know, different ability is accepted more. The one thing that we're, we're neglecting is entering into, into their world and understanding what it is they deal with on a daily basis, what it is, what it is like, what it's, a, what it is to be, a part of their world, what it's like to be a part of their world. And that's a lot of what we tend to, you know, lose focus on when we receive that clinical diagnosis. Don't ever tell a mom, don't tell his teacher, you know, don't tell other parents because, you know, you fear how people are going to treat, treat him or treat her. Well, let me explain something to you. If you don't tell his teacher, You're worried about him. You telling the school and telling the teacher because you don't want the child to be labeled. But if you don't tell the teacher and you don't tell the school and then your kid is in there and they're acting up because they can't help it. And it's not because they're bad. It's because they genuinely have a clinical diagnosis that says that this kid has autism spectrum disorder. They have ADHD or they have... 
they have ODD or, you know, you, you can't hold that back, then you allow them, you're still allowing them to be labeled because you're not forthcoming with that information that you have. Your child's going to be labeled one way or the other. So what, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have your child have a label of, oh, Cortland has behavioral issues or may act out or have outbursts because he's on autism spectrum, you know, he has he's on the autism spectrum or would you rather them say oh Corlin has outbursts because he's just bad and he's not disciplined at home so we're just going to label him a bad kid we're not going to pay attention to him during the school year we're just going to let him have his outbursts and we're just going to let him do whatever he wants to do and then your child is sitting in that classroom and they're not getting the necessary tools that they need when it comes to learning because you're too worried about your child not being left out your child being left out or your child not being treated the same as other children I don't I don't think you are hearing what I'm saying when you go and you get a clinical diagnosis for your child and you find out that your child has a different ability or a special health care need or developmental delay or behavioral issues or whatever you want to call call it in your in your world. You don't ever not tell anyone that your cl- your child has this clinical diagnosis because you're cheating your child out of everything that he or she deserves you can't allow society to dictate to you who you're going to tell your story to because it is not their story to tell it is your story to tell it is your child's story to tell so while you have Mabel in your left ear and Connie in your right ear and John in the back of your head and Mark in the front of your face telling you I wouldn't necessarily tell his teachers or tell other parents because I fear of how their attitudes will change towards him how they will treat him while you think that you're being supportive and you think that you're offering great textbook cultural whatever your cultural believes advice you're not so please stop while you feel like you have that child's best interest at heart you don't so please stop because what you don't realize that you're doing is when a parent walks out of a developmental pediatrician's office or a psychiatrist or a psychologist's office and they've just received that clinical diagnosis, the last thing we want to hear are your textbook answers. And to you should not tell anyone. No one needs to know this. Don't talk about it. Don't ever say that to a parent, a mom, a dad. Don't even say it to a grandmother or a grandfather or a sister or a brother, even an aunt and an uncle who whose family is going through this journey. Don't ever tell them not to talk about their story because, because you fear how people are going to treat their family. This is my take on everything and how I handle things when it comes to my journey with Cortland and autism and doing it A to Z. I will tell my story until I can't tell it anymore. And when family walks away 
And when friends walk away and it's just me and Cortland left and we're on this journey by ourselves, I just know that God never intended for those people to be on this journey with us. Will it hurt? Yeah, it'll hurt some. But them being here, if they don't want to understand, accept, or talk about, you know, what's going on with us, then I don't need them here. They don't need to be here. He doesn't need them here. So don't ever be afraid to tell your 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 daughter or your son's teacher that they have a developmental delay, delay or, you know, a different ability or special a special healthcare need because the one thing that also helps your child when they're in school is they can have what's called an IEP, an individualized educational plan that will be designed to help them while they're in school a lot of people again don't allow them to get that because that's just gonna slap a label on them a lot of people think if you have an individualized educational plan that that means that your child is slow that's that's another re a word that I don't like to use and people tend to use it all the time well you know her kid's slow x y and z and you know um he goes to school and she says that he has something like an IEP. What exactly is an IEP and why does he have it? We knew he was slow, so why does he need to have that? Like, these are literal conversations that I've heard just in passing. And, you know, as a mom that has a child with a special health care need, you know, that's on the spectrum, I, I, I tend to squinch on my eyes and I just, I give them that, that, that funny face. And I, I just look at them like I look at them in disgust and you can t- and then they turn around and they look at me and they're just like staring at me like, why is she looking at us like that? Because I want to and I want to say to them that I'm looking at you like that, because if you knew how ignorant you sounded at this point, you shut up. But I don't. I just give them a look and I just laugh to myself and I'm just like, people really just need to wake up and they need to educate themselves. You need to stop letting other people tell you that because a child has an IEP or that because a child has a behavioral issue or that because a child is on the autism spectrum or because a child has Down syndrome or any other special health care need or disability that that child is, you know, the child is different, but they are not less than me, you, or anybody else in this world. So while you're out here throwing out your textbook answers or textbook suggestions on how parents should handle, you know, getting a clinical diagnosis or how they should talk to who they should let in their world, don't do that. Because your because your textbook answer does not work in every situation. It's not for every situation. It's not for every family. It, in my opinion, and this is just my, it shouldn't be for any family. Because who you tell about your journey and your your child's journey with whatever issues that you have going on is your business. And whomever accepts them, accepts them. And whomever does not accept it. They don't accept it. That just means that they're not meant for this walk. They're not meant to be a part of it. And that's the one thing that we have to wake up and we have to realize. And when I when I talked to my friend again that asked me the questions, you know, she told me everything that went on when they had the evaluation. Um, 
and she said some things to me and tears immediately formed in my eyes because I was her, you know, I was her because some of the things that were said to her, um, were said to me and I started to cry for my friend just simply because it's already hard enough to want to do what's right for your child and make sure that your child gets the necessary services and help that he or she needs, but to go to the people that you would think that are going to support you the most and just kind of sort of have them tell you, uh, nobody needs to know about this. It's nobody's business. That is another big punch in your gut. Um, because those people you think would be supportive, um, and they turn around and, you know, they say something like that to you, you just don't know what to do. And then you start to doubt the decision that you've made when it comes to your child. Did I do right by having him evaluated? Did I do right by having her evaluated? You know, have I set my child up for failure? Have I set my child up to be left out? Um, you know, have I set my child up to not get the necessary tools as far as educational tools that he needs or she needs because I'm so eager to tell people that we have this clinical diagnosis. My answer to those questions, no, you haven't set your child up for failure. You haven't set your child up, you know, not to get the tools that they need. But if you are silent about it, I believe that you are setting your child up for failure. You have to embrace whatever comes your way. When God gave us life, he didn't promise us that this life was going to be easy. He never did. He never said that you were going to have a perfect life. He never did. I like to believe that children, parents of children that have special health care needs, I like to believe that we're chosen ones. You know, not everybody can be a parent of a child that has a special health care need or a different ability you know, behavioral issues, developmental delays, developmental delays, excuse me. Um, not everyone can be a parent of a child that lives in, lives in this world, you know. And as much as we want our children to be a part of the neurotypical world, in order to get them to that point, to that level, we have to step inside of their world, and we have to understand what's going on with them. We have to show them that we're interested in what they do. Like, for example, with Cortland, you know, when he first started, when, when I first started noticing signs or whatever, one of the things Cortland used to do all the time, and this is a sign of autism, is he um, used to turn around in circles and he used to flap, flapping, oh, call it stemming but flapping um was one of the things that he used to do and he used to like turn around in circles like to spin around in circles and you know you hear people say Cortland stop you're gonna get dizzy you're gonna get dizzy you're gonna hurt yourself stop Cortland stop Cortland and they wanted him to stop but Cortland's mind doesn't register 
Stop, Cortland. You're going to hurt yourself. Because to him, that feels good. That's what he needs in that moment. So, resorting back to the textbook answer of stop, Cortland. You're going to hurt yourself. I had to stop and think. Enter into his world. And see what he's getting from that. If you can get what he's getting. Show him that you that you want to be a part of what he's doing instead of always trying to pull him into what you're doing. Because what we're always doing in our world, in the neurotypical world, does not necessarily click with him all the time. And it's just like as if you were... Like if you went on a trip with your friends and you went to this foreign country and you were there for the very first time and there were like all these lights and all these people and everything maybe was a little faster there than, you know, where you're from, like back home in the in the U.S. And to you, you get you're just standing like it's like you're out with your people, with your friends or whatever, and you're having a good time. But in this moment, like this ounce of like, weight of fear comes over you and you're trying to like you're you're just like sitting there like oh my god oh my god oh my god and you know you're trying to understand everything around you is just going too fast and they may be speaking a different language and you don't understand what they're saying and you're trying to figure it out are they saying something bad are they gonna hurt me you know am I safe you know and you're just trying to figure out how to pull yourself together and bring yourself back to center Well, that's what it's like in his world on an everyday basis where I can walk outside and walk down the street and the birds don't bother me or the kids playing in the next yard don't bother me. Um, I can separate those two sounds. I can separate the birds chirping and the kids playing or someone playing their music. Those three sounds, I can separate those. But to Cortland, he can't separate that because it's just all so much and they hear things at a higher pitch than we do so to hear those three sounds or those three noises simultaneously all at the same time will send him into sensory overload and cause him to have a meltdown or cause him to need to figure out a way to self-regulate so that he does not have a meltdown And a lot of the times that he would start spinning like uncontrollably, as some people would say, was when we would have family get togethers and it would be a lot of people over. And you know how you just have that one loud family member in your family that's so loud. My entire family is loud because we try to out talk one another all the time in every situation. That's just us. That's just how we are. So imagine that to a child that's on the spectrum or a child that has um, sensory processing disorder that you know that that's just too much to grasp and his way sometimes would be to you know to do the spinning and that way he's trying to self-regulate himself so that he's not going into a meltdown and so for your textbook answer to be stop Cortland you're gonna hurt yourself what you needed to do was go inside his world and understand what he was dealing with now let me tell you I don't want to sound because like as I said I'm not an expert I'm just a mama that's doing autism A to Z and I learned these things as we go through this process I learn by researching 
I learn by living this life. A lot of my knowledge is based on living this, living this in everyday life. And when I see something and I want to know, I want to know a little more about it. Then that's when I go back to my textbook or I go back to my journal articles, um, and or to the internet, and I may Google flapping or flapping hands and I find out what it actually and I would find out what it actually meant or whatever and I would apply it back to our situation and then I would try to figure out ways to go inside his world and show him that I understood what he was what what he was going through or what was going on in his mind at that time and the best thing about doing that is when you enter into their world and you do the things that they do it shows them that you can relate to what they are doing instead of trying to pull them into your world so that they can relate to what you are doing. If you want your child, in my opinion, and I want Cortland to have the best possible life with the with minimal challenges, and I know that we're going to have challenges. I know, I, I know we haven't seen the greatest of challenges yet, be them good or bad. I know we haven't seen them yet, but to know this stuff and to be able to be willing to step inside of his world instead of always trying to pull him into my world has helped me a lot on this journey and it has helped him too. I will get on the floor and I will roll back and forth with Cortland. I will turn around until I'm dizzy and I feel like I'm going to, you know, be sick just so that he knows that I'm there with him, that he's not there alone. And that's one of the most important things that you want to do as a parent with a child that's on this type of journey is that you want them to always know that you are there with them, that you are not, that they are not there alone, no matter what their teacher thinks, no matter what the boy that sits to his right thinks or the girl that sits to his left thinks, no matter what that other parent thinks, no matter how many invites they don't get to a sleepover or a birthday party that you are their parent and you are on that journey with them and you understand that you guys are in this together doesn't matter what anybody else says it doesn't matter matter what Sally says or what Susie says it doesn't matter that doesn't these textbook textbook answers that either come from a textbook itself that come from you know journal articles on the internet that that come from you know your family members like from your culture you know we don't do this in this culture or whatever those textbook answers don't matter because they may not fit your situation they fit every situation differently so you have to be willing to go inside yourself and join your child on their journey by going inside their world. You have to. You know, you can't allow people to tell you that your child's story shouldn't be told. Like, don't ever feel like you shouldn't tell your child's story. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Cinnamon doing Sweet Tea. Southern Mama doing autism A to Z. On the next episode, I'm going to talk about tagging me out, which is very, very important. Um, And it's actually a funny topic because 
when I talk about tagging me out to people, they're like, tagging me out? What are you talking about? But I'm going to share tagging me out on the next episode. So I hope you guys will join in for that one as well. And if you want to ask me any questions, just hit that little button where you can, you know, leave a question and I'll answer it to the best of my ability. Um, As I stated, I'm no expert. I'm just a single mom who loves her child, who wants to share her story. I'm not doing it for attention. I'm not doing it for likes. This is our story. And if our story can help someone else, then that's my purpose. My purpose is to be there, to be the voice to someone that definitely needs it. Um, And I'm just I'm just a southern mama doing autism A to Z. And um, it's 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 challenging, but I love it, you know, and I, I feel that I am a chosen one. That, you know, I've been blessed. I don't look at it as a death sentence. Like most people in society want you to look at it when you have a child with special needs. I don't see it as a death sentence. This is my purpose in life. And I'm thankful for it. Y'all have a great great day.